Hi, I'm Rochelle in North Carolina. I'm James in London. And I'm Nate in Colorado. And we are Friends in Formation, a podcast where three different friends take your questions about life and faith with the goal of listening to learn and help one another go deeper in life with God. Friends in Formation is produced by Renovare, a Christian ecumenical renewal effort, offers resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. We'd love for you to join the conversation. You can email us your questions at friends at renovare.org. That's friends at renovare.org. And the best part of all, if we happen to use your question in a future episode, we will send you a very special coffee mug featuring the Friends and Formation logo. I think we should say the coffee mug is not exactly the most, the expensive, high-end, fine china that you might expect i mean i just don't want to raise people's expectations says, too says much says the brit come on man it's more than uh, chintzy uh, american uh, that's right yeah I it's genuinely... not a piece of junk i love my friends I in do too. Mug. yeah when i got yeah. it i thought you know okay this is nice but it's gonna wear off right i give it you know 20 uh, right, dishwashers yeah. and it and it's no. it's it's held it stayed strong so yeah uh, we're assuming that people have seen our logo. If they haven't, they need to look at it because it is really cool, okay. right? Have you guys, yeah. you think everybody's seen that beautiful little Kintsugi ball and with the gold? It's really right. cool. And it's it, it represents how we are, we're being mended and we are mm -hmm. put back together and more beautiful for having been mended. And yeah. you're right, Nate. It survives the dishwasher. <laughs> Passes the dishwasher test. That's, That's right. good. That's right. But it so, is nice to have it, and it is an indication of the sort of the idea of we're inviting people to join us in the That's conversation. Right. Yeah. And you can use your coffee mug for tea if you prefer. <laughs> well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's not a tea mug or tea cup. <laughs> There's the problem. Okay, I've got a question. This one comes to us from Dan. I know Dan. I owe Dan an email. Oh, wow. I, well, I do. He's a great guy. Uh, here we go. Of the six streams, which is the best one to sit in? It gives the most bang for the buck in the journey Christian spiritual formation. Wow. Most bang for the buck. Oh, the streams. That's great. Can someone tell us what the streams are for those who, those of us who don't know what they are? That is a very good place to start, James. The six streams, as we have um, defined them within our little Renovari group, um, there's no magic to the fact that this is how we define it. It's just this is the way um, the founder of Renovari, Richard Foster, laid out the names of the streams or different um, traditions within the history of Christianity. So we call them streams. The contemplative tradition, which is um, also called the prayer-filled life, the holiness tradition, or the virtuous life, the charismatic tradition, which is the spirit-empowered life, the social justice tradition, the compassionate life, the evangelical tradition, which is the word-centered life, and the incarnational tradition, or the sacramental life. There we are. Th that's what we are talking about when we 
when we mentioned the six streams. It's just kind of a handy way to look at the history of the church. And um, one of the things that we realize is that uh, different groups within Christianity, looking at the whole spectrum of 2,000 years and lots of different um, denominations, there are, there are groups of people who have done really, really well with one or one of those streams or the other. But we find when we, when we look at all of those that the life of Jesus incorporates all of them. These are all things that, that, that Jesus did. And our goal is to become more like Jesus. There you go. Right. I, I like to see him as kind of holistic Christianity in a sense that there's all these riches mm-hmm. and treasures that God has gifted us through through the centuries and being able to live into the different ones keeps a sort of balance to it. And mm-hmm. and you're right on, Rochelle. I think of it as just born out of the life of Jesus. Um, each one comes with, with wonderful gifts and um, uh, destructive challenges of, of excesses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yep. I find them really helpful. They go deep. I don't I don't find them getting old in the sense that there's, right. there's so much Me encompassed too. in those. Yeah, and I don't find that we can just dispense with one. You know, like okay, yeah. I think I've kind of got this covered, so I'll just I don't I don't need to worry about this anymore. No, it it's it's a holistic model. And since these are all things that we find in the life of Jesus, I, I don't think that we can just dispense with one. <laughs> Because we don't like it. James, I've heard you before talk about um, a progression in how we think of yeah. these six streams. Could you just go over that again? Well, it's because not, I think that's it's really not helpful. my progression. It's how Richard Poster put it in his book, um, Streams of Living Water. And his point is that the contemplative stream, so there's a rich history of the church of co- contemplation of prayer um, and that's a really good place to start because that leads right if you've got more airtime with God through that you're more able to handle the second stream which is um, holiness or the virtuous life which is dealing with character who we are on the inside and so on of which the church there are aspects of the broader church that are very strong on that. And that's really helpful to do the holiness bit because that can lead you to being more able to handle the Holy Spirit element, the charismatic stream. So just pause there, three streams, contemplative, the holiness, the charismatic, all features of the church, all features of Jesus. And if you want Jesus, you'll want all of those appropriately and so on. And you never complete them. It's it, it's not like I tick that one off the book, you know, that's me done. Okay, I've done your holiness. I've got that one worked out. Now let's now let's move on to something else. They're all in play, but you, you were asking, they build on each other. So mm-hmm contemplative holiness charismatic and it's really good to have the power of the holy spirit as you step into the social justice stream jesus was a social justice um, champion you might say and um, so many people we know do social justice but they burn out because they're doing it in their own strength and 
actually we're going to be talking about that in one of the other questions. So we want to do the Holy Spirit, then the social justice. And social justice is such a good platform for the evangelical stream, you know, um, sharing Jesus, um, showing who Jesus is, because it gives authenticity to what we say. It's, it's the deeds and actions. And then the last stream is the incarnational stream, which is the sacramental life. These are big terms, but they don't, they're not difficult. It's, it's a with God life. It's the, the applied life. It's your, your life at work or at school or on the farm or in the world of arts or sport or business or whatever. So all of those are there. So they're all Jesus. They're all, the church has been very uh, strong on different elements of them. But collectively, they are Jesus. I find that real helpful, James. How the the progression piece, and, and certainly you can you can enter in anywhere, right? It doesn't have yeah. to go um, in that order. And I've heard you talk before too about how they speak to each other. You did a little bit in that, but they inform each other. And there's there's so many wonderful ways that they uh, can fit together. I do want to make just a just a, a little reference to the you know which one gives the the bang for the buck and and knowing Dan a little bit I can kind of picture him saying that and and I want to encourage us to kind of look at it in a different way as opposed to kind of you know what can I get the most out of or where's the biggest splash going to be um, I don't know that that's necessarily a kind of helpful way to look at it. I'm, would think of years that, you know, spending 10 years with these different streams, there's there's just a real richness that each one of them has. And I don't think we necessarily know what we're going to get out of one. (laughs) Two comments I think I'd make. I see the contemplative, though, as being a wonderful entry point that without that, I think it can be a challenge. And the other piece I'd say to it is that let's not view these in terms of personality type. Because I've seen people go, oh, you know, that's that one's just not for that's me. Good. And and I yeah. want to say, no, actually, that one's probably <laughs> probably really is for you. Uh, let's not just hang where we're comfortable, but but push ourselves. Uh, that's part of the richness of them. Yes, that point I think that's very well put. Is that the one you find the hardest is probably the one you most want to press into. Um, and if we want to be like Jesus, we want all of them, even the ones we find a struggle, particularly that my point on that, I think the streams are in conversation with each other. And I sometimes I joke that they challenge each other. So the evangelical stream says to the contemplative stream, now don't uh, stray beyond the outer edges of scripture, you know, what does the Bible say, you know, and it's a very good challenge you know be careful guys just just please don't go beyond what the the bible says which is right the contemplative says to the evangelical um you know chill out a bit you know <laughs> i'm joking there but you see my points they kind of you know and why do i have to choose i mean why why are we asking why are we talking about the bang for your bucks i mean why, why do you have to choose between the evangelical and the social justice stream? I mean, you know, who, I mean, who says I've got to have one or the other? Why can't I, 
embrace all of them because I think Jesus was all of them. So that's the point. I do think your point, Nathan, about the contemplative being a really important sort of foundation. I, I think that's 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 important because it's important to say that because the word contemplative scares some people as if, you know, we're, we're talking about something that's nothing to do with Christianity. Well, actually, no, we're talking about something that, that has been an important part of Christianity throughout the life of the church. This is the prayer-filled life. We see this in Jesus's life. Jesus of Nazareth, the man, yes, eternal son of God, but incarnate. Jesus, the man, spent so much time in prayer in silence and solitude, that his life was really marked by that time spent apart communing with God. And so that's what we mean when we speak of the contemplative life. We're thinking of things like meditating on scripture and talking with God, listening to God, not just talking at God, but listening for God to speak to us. So that is... um, It's something that we can't just dispense with because we are more comfortable just doing Bible study. This is the thing I think in our in our world, very often we we see people who know what to do if 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 we're talking about exegesis, you know, let's get let's get our Bibles, let's get a good Bible study book, and let's just sit down and go through the text verse by verse. We know what to do. But sometimes in doing that, we don't give the Holy Spirit a chance to inform our lives at all. So um, I, I do think it's important to look at all of them as the, the holistic picture. At the same time, I think it probably is important to say that at this moment in history, especially American history, a couple of these streams, um, the names of these streams are very loaded terms. And those two are the evangelical stream and the social justice stream. We're not using political terms here. We're talking about the good news found in the word of God. And we're talking about God's heart for justice. So these are not, they've been politicized, but we're not talking about political groups. We're talking about what's contained in the heart of Jesus Christ that we read about, particularly in the four Gospels, and then we see enacted in the lives of his followers throughout Christian history. Yeah, I'd I'd take that even further. I think that people have visceral reactions to certain ones because they can speak to wounds and and just straight up abuses, just, you know, holiness, right? There are people whose lives have been utterly destroyed by uh, things that are done in the name of holiness that have absolutely nothing to do with holiness or, you know, charismatic. Um, so I think, you know, acknowledging that and, 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 and also encouraging people just to start where you're at with it and be aware that potentially some of the abuses that people have experienced are, have absolutely nothing to do with the stream. Right. right. Legalism's not holiness, right? That kind of thing. Right. That's helpful. That's helpful. I mean, I'm very interested in this myself because I'm pursuing this journey like everybody else. And, um, you know, I think if John 3.16 
is the classic text for entering the kingdom. Um, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. You know, if that's the, the text for entering the kingdom, I, I wonder if I could just propose rather pompously and arrogantly perhaps <laughs> a verse for living in the kingdom, which I think I'd suggest for comment is Galatians 4, 18 and following, you know, for I am in agony, the agony of a childbirth that Christ be formed within you. That's the project. That's the project. It's certainly the project that we're all committed to. And um, how does that happen? And bang for your bucks? Mm. I don't know. I think I'm going to need all of those if that's what I want to happen. Well, I can tell you that childbirth is agonizing. So I hear. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it takes a while. You know, it's um, it, hmm. it, it's something that, that happens not in a rush. It takes as long as it takes. And I think for most of us, this is going to take a long time. We're <laughs> right. And it, at times, um, we will we will make progress and then we'll stumble. Um, but... I think it's really important to say, too, that these various streams of Christian tradition do not represent the life of any person acting alone. This, this is not a solo project for someone who, who, who steps from one stream into the next. This is, this is what we do together. Together we pray. Together, we listen for the voice of the Lord. Together, we, we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Together, we try to bring about God's justice with whatever means we have to employ. Together, we look at the Word of God, learning more and more about what God would have us to know. And so, this is a life for the individual, yes, but this is the life for that all-inclusive community of loving persons that God is forming through the ages. I love it. And so I'd just end with, um, so if we want to be an evangelist, be a contemplative first, mm. <laughs> then work through that. If you want to be a social activist, be a contemplative first because you'll find they'll nurture you they'll support you and as you're saying Rochelle in community with others and of course that's a big challenge finding a community of others who are pursuing uh -huh. pursuing the same aim as that as the rest of us so so yeah there's so much more we could say on that grateful for the question very grateful for the question Okay, guys, I have a question that I'm really wanting to hear from you about. Um, this comes from our friend Hannah. And Hannah says, I struggle a lot in my day-to-day -day life with decision fatigue, second-guessing myself, and fears about not being good enough. And then she goes on to say that in um, the past school term, she had developed a rhythm of weekly fasting that she found very helpful. But now, of course, it's summertime and um, 
her schedule is thrown off and that rhythm isn't working for her. And she's not fasting consistently. And as it turns out, instead of fasting, she's thinking about fasting and wondering if she can do it and fretting about whether it's a good time and wondering if her heart is in the right place and if she has the energy and on and on. Um, but she says, are there some stabilizing questions or thoughts that I can come back to when I start to debate fasting? What are some valid versus invalid reasons not to fast, be it in the moment or for a season? So I'm really interested in what you guys will say because Hannah's question is specifically about fasting, but we got several others indicating that they are just in a season of burnout or fatigue or overwhelm. I think a couple people use the term overwhelm and they're trying to figure out how it is that they undertake something that has been useful to them spiritually where in they're in their season of just being absolutely up to their necks or even over their heads. So my friends, I can jump in on this one. Um, and I think actually fasting is a good entry point for some of this uh, vessel treasures. Mm-hmm. Fasting is a vessel. The treasure is Jesus. And we do this with disciplines where we make the point, the discipline, and not that that's what she's doing, but this is a real common one for people fasting. Um, fasting is not legalism. Fasting is, is, a, is a willful willingness to suffer, uh, to be present to God, to be, have you know, challenge areas in our life exposed. Um, I hear people talk about fasting in ways that just grieve me. It's a cliche to me when someone who, you know, is it from a tradition that regularly works with Lent that they're dieting, <laughs> they're not fasting <laughs> or nice. some sort of legal, yes. let's check that box off. This sucks, doesn't it? Let's get through it. Uh, you, you miss the point in, entirely. And in, 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 I mean, there's still good in there. I don't want to, you know, throw that out necessarily. Um, for me, fasting is one of those that really is an issue of prayer and listening. And usually for me, it's something I wait with and don't rush into. And then also, I think it's really important to remember there are multiple different ways we can fast. It's not just food. We can fast from talking. We can fast from our phones. We can fast from gossiping. Um, and these are uh, uh, all things I think we just, we wait for an invitation, we listen, and we move in with a willingness to suffer and to do so with a lot of grace. That's very helpful. Isn't it amazing how, I mean, so often this happens in the Christian, we turn something that was intended to bless us into something that you know harms us. <laughs> and it's usually around, we take a grace and we turn it into um, you know, law. Um, and, you know, what was supposed to be a beautiful gift, a lovely thing to bless us and encourage us and take us into a new return. And then we put it on other people. We, we, we then <laughs> say, you should do this. This is the way to do it. And of course it loses. It's like, yeah, it just evaporates in front of us. Um, so we, we, we grip how lightly to it but can i just push a little bit harder on this you know stretched and 
fatigued and everything because we know what that's like and and i you know i'm working on it and and so on and um i don't know whether we've said enough on this principle of a cycle of grace and whether there's more i'm sure we've touched on us in the past but if if people haven't picked up on this Go online and Google Cycle of Grace, uh, Frank Lake, L-A-K-E, American psychologist, um, uh, quite a while ago now. I mean, 19, I'm going to say 1930s, perhaps. I don't know. You, you may know better than me. But he has this lovely circle. And I do wonder whether this fits. So what can often happen is our achievement efforts. We, we want to achieve, we want to be busy, we want to be productive. And that significance comes from achievement. And that if we're significant enough in life, that will sustain us in life. That's a sustenance in life. And that if we get that, we'll be accepted. We'll be accepted by God or others so achievement creates significance significance is supposed to sustain us and deal with our shame and our guilt um, and that will then make us acceptable to god but th that's not the cycle the cycle that we, we that we're being offered in christ is acceptance mm -hmm. acceptance 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 there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. You are just accepted and it's outrageous and it's extravagant and it's absurd, but that's how God looks at us. And that gives us sustenance. We can live off that. The saint consumes more grace than the sinner. They burn it's like a apollo rocket you know it, it, it so acceptance by god to work on that then the sustenance that gives us significance the fact i'm significant because i've been accepted truly accepted you know at a profound deep level and then that out of that we achieve things we do our work we do our parenting we do our caring for out of that and I'm not saying that's going to solve everybody's stress issues, but I do think it's something to think about and see whether it softens us or brings a, a deeper sense of peace in ourselves. What does that sound like to you? Couldn't agree more, James. And I, I find myself continually going back to um, something that our friend Jim Smith says. Um, and others say this as well, but Jim stresses the fact that people need to get their God narratives sorted before they begin the practice of many of these disciplines. Because if you're, if you're viewing God as this angry deity or even as a disappointed parent, then, then you're right into vicious cycle that you mentioned. To enter into the cycle of grace, you have to work on understanding that God is one who loves you dearly. 
right now. And God's opinion of you is the truth. Now, that's hard to accept. So we can sometimes get our God narratives sorted out and we see God as good, God is love, God is light, all of these things. And we could easily say that that applies to the person on the other side of the room. But it's been an effort, a real effort for me to realize that what God says about me is the truth about me. Because I don't tend to have that high of an opinion of myself. (laughs) So I see myself as someone who needs to be fixed. And I think the cycle of grace is important because it says, no, 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 no. God's way is to understand that you are already deeply loved. You are already of inestimable value. You are God's image bearer. You are God's beloved child. And if we start from there, then we can use disciplines not to try to prove ourselves acceptable, but because we are accepted, we actually just want to grow into that. And that's how we can be invited to fast. God, who loves us so much, may in conversation with us, reveal to us that there's something we need to let go of. And that's really, I think, what fasting is so good at. When I'm fasting, say, for instance, if I'm fasting from food, when I get a little hungry, it's easy for me then to get hangry. It's easy for me to start thinking, oh, he irritates the stew out of me. You know, it comes out sideways as anger at my husband. Well, what's going on there, actually? Why is it that my being a little bit hungry instead of my thinking, wow, I'm kind of hungry. Instead, I'm mad. (laughs) It's because things get cross-wired, right? So fasting, whether it's fasting from food or as you mentioned so helpfully, Nathan, fasting from technology or fasting from whatever, it can reveal what's actually going on in us. And so we undertake it because God has sort of stretched out his hand and said, let's look at this. Let's put something good aside for a little bit so that we can look together at what's actually going on in your heart. And it's not because we need to be corrected, although there may be some correction. It's because we want to grow and God is inviting us to go with him on this journey of growth. And he'll reveal to us what we can take as we go along the way. The other thing about fasting that I think is important is that it's not a one and done thing. It may very well be something that we do in one form for a season. And then in another season, we do it in another form. It's, I mean... I'm getting pretty old now and I still need to do it. Young people need to do it. Old people need to do it. But we do it as we can. We don't beat ourselves up for what we can't do. There are some people who will never be able to fast from food because that just won't work for them, for their physical health. It turns out God really cares about our physical health. (laughs) But we, we do it at 
in response to an invitation, just to move into a deeper place because we have set aside one good thing to concentrate on another good thing. One last thought on it, and I, I don't know how much we worked with their questions, so for, forgive us with it, but uh, but lots of good thoughts. And and this is a comment I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Sarah Boland, about fasting, and she just lit up. Ooh, ooh, I love fasting. It turns the volume up on the spirit. And, and to me, that is just a beautiful way to approach some of these as uh, discovery, right? What am I going to find uh, in, in this process? Oh. And if I could just add, I mean, if we go on to the point that was made about, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel accepted enough. I don't feel worthy. Perhaps that's the right word. That's, that's what's coming out of the question um this is a call to go further with jesus i mean it's to press in further it's it's a it's an invitation as you say rochelle to step further in i'm not suggesting easy answers here i'm not suggesting a quick fix but i do think that's the invitation certainly my invitation that i've experienced um there are things we can do i mean to if we refer to scripture there are some wonderful you know scriptures we can absorb into us that talk about who we are and um we could spend the rest of our hour or so on this of what is your f- favorite verse on that but just to absorb those at a deeper uh, level i've done a little exercise that i would encourage others to do and that is to and it will take you some time. I do it in um, stages, actually, not all in one session. Walk through your life and go through from infancy, from absolute birth, and keep saying to yourself, I am much loved. I have been much loved. I am much loved. And picture yourself held as an infant, Picture yourself being you know, stroked as you go to sleep as a small little infant and just work through almost year on year, even get some pictures if you have pictures of yourself as a child. And I'm much loved. I am much loved. Being held, being accepted, this point of acceptance, the first point of the cycle of grace. That can be a profound experience, um, and you can do it without anybody else there, actually. And 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 don't do it in an hour. This is weeks of it. You know, do it age two, and sit with that for a while. Okay, now four. Now move on. But I do. I think that can be a terrifically helpful. Christ Jesus is saying this to me. Whatever your experience as a child was. Remember, Christ is there. Christ is there. He's holding you. He's with you. He's accepting you. I don't know if that's a helpful exercise, but I found it very helpful for me. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm eager to that's try. That's cool. Mm-hmm. One other thing I would I would say is to remember that fasting doesn't have to be from any of the things we have already mentioned. And I would like to circle back to this feeling of overwhelm 
and tiredness. So I would like to suggest that particularly for someone who might feel that they need to earn their keep, maybe an exercise in fasting could be of an evening to fast from further work. Let's say you set a timer or um, set an alarm on your phone. And as of 8 p.m., I will not do any more work. I will simply rest. I will just be. And see what happens. Now, you could call that a spiritual discipline of rest or of Sabbath, but I'm speaking here about fasting. Stop working and see how much you squirm. See what worries (laughs) rise to the surface. And maybe then talk to God about those things. Am Am I worried that I won't be provided for? Am I worried that I'm unworthy? Am I worried that I won't be loved if I don't complete this task? But maybe undertake that as a form of fasting. And good side effect would be perhaps that you could get some rest, which would also be good. But that that might be a place to start if you're feeling that overwhelmed. Maybe Maybe Jesus would invite you to undertake that kind of fasting. It does have to be approached with a lot of prayer, right? I mean, we're right back to our, our discussion about the, the streams. I mean, this is one that I think you got to have a prayer-filled life to hear the invitation to, to fast. Okay, guys, one more question in today's discussion. What are some suggestions in talking to adult children about spiritual matters. Now, I'm trying to work out what that means. Adult children, um, adults maybe we could say, but adults, younger adults perhaps, but um, adults. Um, And it sounds like people we're close to or we see quite a bit of to talk about spiritual stuff. I think it's a great question i think it speaks to a lot of our cultural issues you know how do you bring up spiritual things in a culture where things are so loaded um and it's often hard so um yeah tell me what what do you think don't (laughs) i i mean you do nate you you talk you're talking to adult children a lot your uh, own and others yeah i mean but that's not that's not where i start i mean i'm mm-hmm. i'm i have a 21 year old and a 16 year old so there's that um but they don't want to hear but but they are very open to me listening to them asking questions they're very open to me being with them and experiencing life with them, um, mm-hmm. I th- I think that's where we start, and then let it do what it's going to do, work its way in. And I'm prayerfully listening, whether I should go somewhere or not go somewhere. Very attentive to the reality that for many young adults, they're done, and and in a way, I don't blame them. What they've been offered is often quite destructive. And we're potentially at a significant marker, at least in American history. 
uh, with kind of next generation, uh, most of the, this is a strong statement, many, I'll say many, many of the adult Christians I know, their kids are not engaged in church or, you know, faith in the way that they had kind of hoped or that they have been themselves. Uh, so we're at a very precarious time with this. Uh, and I think, I think listening, living life and sharing as, as God leads. Heard a story yesterday from a guy who was saying, you know, one of the most significant people in my life was a, 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 a nun who was a librarian, a librarian at my high school. So for like 20 years, she wrote me letters and we talked. And then here's the interesting part. She never said anything spiritual. She never gave me advice. Mm. Yet it came through. And then he went on to say it just poured out of her life. And I thought, what a what an interesting experience. Uh, there are a lot of ways to do this, but I think relationally and being with is paramount. I love that, Nate. And James, when I hear this question, I, I'll put my cards on the table. I hear, how do I talk to my adult children? So okay. the, the children who belong yep. to me. Um, I don't know if that's what is meant, but the reason I hear that is because I have three young adult children. My kids are 31, 29, and 25. And what I hear you saying, Nate, I really appreciate. Part of what you're saying is don't talk at them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We'll um, do it if it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I just don't and think I, it works. Right. Yeah. I find myself harking back to the days of the Oprah show with Dr. Phil saying, how's that working for you? Well, guess how it's working for us, guys? It, it ain't. Um, but it's helpful to me to remember that my young adult children and all their friends, every single one of them is an image bearer of God. They are unceasing spiritual beings. So whatever is important in their lives is important spiritually. I can be a listening ear for them to talk about whatever interests them. And I appreciated that you said to listen prayerfully. I think that that's how you do it. Of course, you pray for your adult children, right? And you remind yourself that God loves them. Some of them no longer believe in God. We've had listeners before say, what do I do? I brought my kids up in the faith and now they've left the church and they're saying they don't believe in God. Well, I think first of all, we stop and remember that God believes in them. Nothing can ever separate them from God's love nothing. They'll never be separated from the love of God. And so we cling closely right there with God. And and we want to be like Jesus. We don't want anything ever to separate them from our love either, because more and more we want to love like Jesus loves. And we listen to him and talk about what's important to them. One one of the ways we get in trouble is when we feel like we have been called upon to defend the faith. I don't think that's a good way to approach relationship. 
I say let's let's defend the love of God and see where that leads us in conversation rather than trying to defend any faith. You know, guys, a lot of the complaints of our young adults, a lot of the things that they are saying about the institutional church, a lot of the reasons they're leaving, a lot of the deconstruction, if you want to call it that, boy, they make some good points. They are so right in the ways they call out hypocrisy, in the ways, the ways they chafe against abuse. God bless them. They're right to do so. So let's not ever defend a system that has treated people with hatred. Let's defend the love of God in our own minds and reach out to our young adult children in love. Be interested in what they're interested in, not with any agenda, but just because we love them. Yeah, I go with all of what you both said. I think it's super helpful. Um, unlike the two of you, I don't have children. So um, I don't have adult children of my own. Um, so identify with all the people who listen to this podcast who haven't got children. And, um, and yet, like so many people, I am involved with adult children or adults who are not as old as others. Um, and I like the question in talking to adult children about spiritual matters. And I think what I'm hearing you both say is just talk to them about stuff. You know, it's not spiritual stuff, it's, you know, stuff and um, issues. And of course, they're all spiritual issues. Actually. That's right. They're all spiritual, <laughs> whether it's clothes or identity or music or hobbies or sport. There's a spirit that there's that they're all spiritual in that sense. If we could just see spiritual as not just think something you do on a Sunday or do with a deliberate, you know, uh, I, I I do think we need to broaden this because. It, these issues are coming up all the time. It's just that we have a categorization where we say, well, that's a spiritual matter and that's not a spiritual matter. Um, plumbing, you know, fixing a car, de decorating, they're all, they're all actually got some element of it. Now, I think the point you said, Nate, about you've got to talk to and listen and I think deeper than that is authenticity. They're people looking for an authentic life. I don't mean a perfect life. I don't mean you've got it all right. That's not, I don't think that is the issue. In fact, I think there's a lot of grace extended by young adults to other people. They're not looking for you being right. They're looking for authenticity. So you can screw up, but if you can admit it, apologize. Can you say just a little more about plumbing, decorating music, how there's there's a spiritual aspect to that and how that would work out in a conversation? Yeah, music is the easy one because music is hungry for heaven in some regard. Music, I mean, art is any, if it's art and music is art, even, you know, well, whatever musical taste it is, that there's hungry for heaven. They're trying to explore reality 
they're actually trying to explore invisible things real in their way it's relationships it's meaning it's failure all the big issues are covered by that um so there's a just listen to the music listen to the lyrics my gosh it's a very often real way of exploring things plumbing and the rest of it i mean have you been frustrated when you've been doing plumbing or electrical work or yard work or whatever it is? It calls upon character issues. I'm hot. I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. I messed that up. That took too long. That's going to expose who we are on the inside um, a lot. And that's where the conversation is. Now, why was I feeling like that? And talking to our adult children about that, that's an invitation. They want to know. Um, a friend of ours, the, the three of us, has, have just, has just been walking the Camino walk in Spain. And, um, and he didn't complete it. He went with his adult child. Um, they walked it together and they didn't complete it. The dad got an injury and didn't complete it. The most important thing about that was to, for the son to see how the dad handled not completing it, not getting it right. And I suspect that's the thing he'll take away from it, how he saw his dad vulnerable. So I think there's a lot of spirituality in these things. Is that what you were thinking, Nate? Yeah, yeah, and I I agree. I just made me think of a I did a little construction project with my 16-year-old and it it went there. I didn't mean for it to go there, but it went there right. in some really beautiful ways and I didn't have to <laughs> I didn't have to force it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Life is full of spiritual things, right? We, it's so easy for us to to just like people throughout history to kind of bifurcate things and to say, oh, this is practical, this is, this is just physical, this is emotional, this is spiritual. Well, we're spiritual beings, so uh, spiritual implications can be had. But very often I see my friends struggling because they don't approve of their young adult children's behavior. So I would say that I would probably steer clear of thinking that spiritual matters have to do with how someone is behaving. So maybe you don't like your young adult's child's choice of living arrangement or or the language they use or whatever. I want to say this is a really good time to, to back up, to remember how much God loves your children, and just to listen without correcting behavior. Your time to correct your children's behavior was when they were kids, little kids <laughs> living in your house, right? <laughs> and if you don't like what they're doing now, well, you know, they're making their own decisions and they need you to come alongside as one who loves yeah, offer be, advice be there when it if falls they together. ask for it. Exactly. <laughs> it falls apart. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I didn't hear that comment. What what, what was your comment? Oh, I Nate. said be there when it falls apart. Right? Like if if you right. really disagree with their behavior, 
you disagree because it's not going to bring good fruit, right? It's not life-giving because mm -hmm. that's what you want for your kids. So then when it's not life-giving, you're in the conversation and you can mm -hmm. you can work with that. And, mm -hmm. you know, some lessons we have to learn. <laughs> that's right. Keep the to, conversation. Yeah. That's keep the, the conversation. Keep, the keep in How relationship. How yeah. many parents have I known, or do we know, who they they cut themselves out of the conversation because mm -hmm. they um, pushed in a way that was not helpful, and now they're out. So there you have it. You know, it's a long game in my mind, and loving people game. through what they're doing. And if I really believe that this is destructive, well, there will be a time where the pieces need to be picked up. Mm -hmm. If I get to be there, that's a great honor. That's right. That's right. And we feel for the parent, I mean, who mm -hmm. has found this Awful. hard. I mean, Awful. you know, and it may not be just the parent's fault. You know, I don't want to start oh. apportioning <laughs> blame right. here. Mm -hmm. It's the you way things have You can do all the happened. right things and then end up, you know, yeah. with, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, we don't do all the right things. Let's just start. Well, no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> screw no, that's up. absolutely right. Yeah. And, and you're not on the hook for having done all the right things. Either our lives are going to be founded on acknowledging the grace of God, or we're going to be not dealing with reality. Right. Sometimes by the grace of God, we get through things just barely by the skin of our teeth. Sometimes we don't get through them at all. And sometimes we get through them, you know, with yay, flags flying and triumph. But we're not going to get through anything without the grace of God, and neither are our kids. No. So, so staying in conversation, no matter what happens, is how to talk about just about anything. Be there, care. We could say more, not not on this conversation, but about the times when it hasn't worked out and the relationship hasn't gone well, and the parents, the children have rejected not just the parents' beliefs, but the parents. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen that happen as well. So lots of compassion for everybody in this. So, but... Yeah. Hang in there. It's never over till it's over. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Friends in Formation. We're so glad to have you along on the journey. And we would love for you to send your questions. I mean, you can tell we read these questions. We think about them. They, they spark our conversations. And we, we love listening to one another and listening to you. So send your questions to friends at renovare.org. That's just the word friends at R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E dot -E org. We'll be so glad to get them. And remember, if your question gets chosen, you can get a free Friends Information coffee or tea mug. While you're at it, just go to renovare.org. You're, you'll be blessed by the website. Spend some time there. You'll find the Renovari podcast. You'll find articles. You'll find links to all kinds of resources. And I think you'll be blessed by it. Thanks so much for joining us.